Welcome to episode 23 of the Running on Om podcast. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I'm excited to have Sarah Corter, holistic healer, writer, and yoga teacher on the podcast. Sarah is a holistic healer with certifications in wellness counseling, Ayurvedic therapy, and is currently studying to become a certified holistic nutritionalist. Sarah holds a BA in English and has a popular wellness blog called Karma Body. Sarah has been published in numerous wellness hubs, including Mind Body Green, Elephant Journal, Yoga Modern, Odyssey Magazine, and featured monthly in Happiness and Wellness Mag. In this episode, we discuss what drew Sarah to become a healer and a yoga teacher. Sarah explains her recent blog post on Karma Body, which offers her perspective on Lent. Sarah shares on the role of nutrition in her life, from overcoming an eating disorder to being passionate about plant-based recipe creation. Lastly, Sarah reveals the people that inspire her, from Gandhi to her mother, and what is ahead for 2014. I hope you enjoy the show. Oh, Welcome, Sarah, to the Running on Ohm podcast. Thank you. In your life, you hold many different roles as a writer, a yoga teacher, a holistic healer, a counselor, the list goes on. Which role came first for you? For me, honestly, I suppose the role of healer, I kind of feel like I was born into it. You know, I feel like being somebody who believes in reincarnation and who's always been called an old soul, um, in no way to toot my own horn. I've not been healing people my whole life, but I've always had that inclination where I don't like to see people suffer and um, always wanted to help soothe any suffering that I saw. So I suppose that's sort of what I feel most naturally. That and then writing. I've been writing for a very, very long time. When did yoga come into your life? I first practiced yoga at the age of 12. I was... It's really kind of incredible. I was at a function through my school. My mom had come as a chaperone. It was a field trip at the local university. And we were asked to select three activities that we thought we might want to have as part of our career someday. I don't recall what the other two were, but I know that I chose yoga. I went to a yoga class, which is so interesting to me because now it's so much a part of my career And I didn't choose it then. I just said, I want to practice yoga. I want to try this out. And I remember vividly the teacher telling us to root down through all four corners of the feet. I remember practicing Vrikshasana tree pose. So I was 12 years old. And I, um, the practice came in and out of my life as a teen. I was an athlete, so it wasn't my, um, main practice, but that was my first experience with it. What for you has been the most challenging part of your yoga practice over the years? The most challenging part for me is definitely, um, I guess, finding the edge uh, uh, holistically. So both in my mind, as far as, you know, how far to push myself and then physically as well. I've, I've had a few overstretching moments and things like that. And as a teacher, it's really important to convey to your students where that edge is. And so I suppose that is important to me because it was a struggle for me. And it still is sometimes you're like, Oh, I want to, I want to get that foot behind my head. And then you remember what yoga is really about and you have to kind of pull back and and remind yourself that, you know, the body is sacred. (laughs) 
So what is yoga really about? How would you explain it to someone who's never come to your class before? Well, for me, um, I'm very much interested in yoga philosophy. And so the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali is, you know, one of my favorite books. I have it right there on my shelf. And, you know, the first two sutras are defining yoga. It's the, essentially, I suppose in everyday terms, it's restraining your thoughts and the mind stuff, the, the chitta, they call it, you know, the clutter of the mind is what real yoga is. And I try to convey that to my students more than anything else because Western yoga is so about asana and, you know, warrior two and your Lululemons, which, you know, it's beautiful. It's great. I do it every day, but real yoga is what's going on in your mind. And especially being in these postures, being able to hold a posture, even if you're not super deep, it's the ability to breathe and the ability to focus your mind on exactly what your body is doing in that very moment. And that's what I try and convey to somebody who's never practiced, never been to my class is that's what this is about. You know, even if you're not doing what everyone else is doing, if you stay somewhere that feels good where you're breathing and your mind is clear, you're practicing yoga. I love that. I want to take your class. (laughs) I would love to have you in my class. (laughs) You recently wrote a post on your blog, Body Karma, called Health Marauders. And in it, you're talking about this time of Lent that we're in and how our society is addicted to giving things up, but that you're choosing to embrace aspects of yourself and embrace life. Can you talk to me a little bit more about this phenomena in our culture? Yeah, definitely. It's something that I myself have had a lot of experience with. Just a brief background, I have a total type A personality and a very, so, you know, addictive to especially habits and routine. Love them. Lists, all about it. And so I see this in our culture because I'm, I'm tuned into that because it's part of my own sort of struggle. And I, as a teen, I also had an eating disorder that I write a lot about. And so I work a lot with young girls to focus. That I think that's just the only way I can really verbalize it is to focus on embracing what you have rather than focusing on what you want to take away. Um, Because by embracing what you have, you can take away bad parts. Like you can focus on, I really want to eat more healthfully. And it's the terminology that you use that gives the intention, the energy that it has. If you're focusing on, I want to take this away, I want to take that away, I want to change this and change that, I'm not good enough as I am already. I believe that that infuses the intention with a negative energy, an energy of sucking and taking away and instead changing the words and changing how you look at it. It might not be as satisfying in the moment because it doesn't feel like that cracking of the whip, the punishment that for some reason our society thrives on. It, I think it's way more powerful. It might take a little longer, um, but it's, it's what really instills long-term change. Because it changes your own energy, which is important. What is something you're embracing about yourself right now? I'm embracing my dedication. And I found, as I wrote about in this essay, that I don't really have anything to give up just because of my own personal lifestyle. I couldn't find a vice that was tangible, something for my diet or something like that. So instead, I'm choosing to embrace the fact that I've come to the place in my life 
that I have and, and how grateful I am for that and how, you know, perhaps vices that I used to have, they're no longer a part of my life. So instead of trying to find something else to give up, I'm just going to focus on embracing the the change, being able to remember what it was like to have those vices and have old behaviors and look at my life now and every single day thank myself for surviving the journey to get here because it's not always pretty. So I think that's something everybody can do. Vices aside is acknowledge every single day like, wow, I woke up today. I made it through however many years, ups and downs. I feel like it's both an embracing and a celebration of self and of this world. Absolutely. What does body karma, which is the name of your blog, what does that mean? I came up with that years ago. Um, the concept of karma, I mean, it's it's pretty, you know, in-depth, but just a simple explanation would be, you know, what, what goes around comes around. And our actions have like a boomerang. Whatever you put out into the universe will come back in some regards. So do good, be good. And hopefully, you know, the universe will deliver goodness back to you. And so in terms of our bodies, I see the body as, I call it our vessel, our sacred vessel, because it houses this you know, beautiful spirit, the soul, which is who we truly are, which again is, goes back to the practice of yoga. Is the purpose is to realize that we are not the mind, we're not the body. The body is a container for this, you know, sacred soul of ours. And so in body karma, that kind of came about in my intention to imply that, you know, we need to do good, be good to our own vessel in order to live out this life. And it's, it's holistic. I, whenever I, um, I have a Pinterest and I have something called body karma and it's funny what I end up pinning there because it's not just physical things. It's mental, it's spiritual, it's emotional. It's kind of like the holistic package for me in terms of being true to our spirits, our bodies and our minds and taking really good care of all three equally. So that's sort of what it means to me. (laughs) I imagine your blog has connected you with people from around the world, including this conversation we're having what blog post has gotten the most amount of press? And why do you think that was? Um, I would say, let's see. I had one post that was also run on Elephant Journal um, originally. Or no, it was my blog originally, and then Elephant Journal ran it afterwards. And it was on um, letting relationships go. And that one went viral somehow. I, it didn't do it right away, but a couple weeks later I had people texting me and I'm seeing on Facebook, it's all over the place. So I don't know whose hands it got into, but a lot of people saw it. And it, um, I think it was just because I really sat down and wrote that one from the heart without really thinking much about it or pausing <laughs> at all. And I think it's just a concept that we have a lot of trouble with is that we can let things go. We can say goodbye to behaviors, people, habits, and not have to feel bad about it. I think that we mean well in trying to reconcile over and over, but sometimes there's a person in our life that's just toxic. And it's not that they're a bad person, but it's that our energy together or the history or something, it's just time to put that to rest. And um, so it was sort of... I think everyone liked it or a lot of people liked it because it's 
just sort of almost a foreign concept to us most of the time that it's okay to just let things let things go people included you have many roles including writer and yoga teacher as we've been talking about how do you balance all those roles you know it's um it gets tough right now i'm i have one year left of nutrition school so it's post grad to my effect i i have my degree in english and writing journalism and then um becoming a nutritionist now so with school, it, it, it can be a struggle to manage my own yoga practice, meditation practice, teaching, the day job, school, and then finding time to write both for outfits as well as my own blog. But what it comes down to is just, I mean, I'm, I'm creating my dream. And so I just remind myself, you know, it doesn't feel, Honestly, nothing but the day job feels like work. The rest of it feels like I'm just having fun. And I can't believe I'm getting paid to stand up and teach yoga or sit down and write an article. So there are many hats, but this is the busiest it'll ever be with school, I believe. So it's it's just fun. What <laughs> is fun. the day job? Day job is a grocery store. So cashiering, Whole Foods Market been there for a few years and I'm only there a couple of days a week just to supplement the income and it's it's a, an environment that jives with what I'm into you know organics and all of that so it works for now nutrition is something you both study and write about how did you come into this place of eating an intuitive plant-based diet as you describe it was uh, quite a journey. I'm 25, and when I was in high school, I was a very competitive athlete playing softball and volleyball consecutively, and um, lots of practices every day. And I got really into, my family always cooked at home and ate healthfully and had a garden, so it's healthy eating has been a part of my life forever. Um, but I got really into nutrition when I was a senior in high school, and that was also the year that I subsequently suffered from an eating disorder. So I had such good intentions, uh, and it really, once I recovered from that and, and, you know, came out the other side, I realized that, I you know, I really wanted to know what nutrition was actually about, because I, I had no idea at the time, and it turned into this downward spiral, but it happened for a reason. And I started to study it in college, and I didn't resonate with what the American Association of Dietetics had to offer. I didn't like the idea that you could use Taco Bell for someone's lunch in a meal plan if it was under a certain number of calories. And I believe food has energy, and what we put into our body, again, with body karma, it, it has a reaction. It's not about calories. It's about you know the freshness and the love that something was made with and planted with and grown with and all of that. So I finished college and now I'm at Bowman College of Holistic Nutrition, which I love and recommend. And um, it's sort of come full circle for me. I mean, it was a journey and I went through the, you know, the usual back and forth thing that I think is so almost chronic in our society of, you know, emotional eating. And then it's societally acceptable to totally binge eat. People go out and binge eat and drink constantly and then start a diet on Monday. And so, you know, I did all that 19, 20, 21. I had a confused relationship with food. And um, 
it wasn't until I started eating intuitively and really recognizing the energy in food and what food is meant to, to be. It's meant to be fuel. And um, once I realized that, it, this, this next step of my journey started. And now I look at food in a completely different way. And that's what I want to do with my work is not get everybody to be completely plant-based in the way I am because we're all different, but to just infuse an understanding of what it means to recognize energy in your food and the fact that it has a holistic effect on the body, mind, and spirit, what we put into our bodies. And that's why I'm so passionate about nutrition. It's, it's kind of spiritual for me. What is a recipe that you have made recently that has really inspired you? Oh, gosh. Um, well, it's hard. I've been doing a lot of experimenting, but just the other day, I created this. I just posted on my blog or on my Tumblr last night about it. It's a sauce, but it can kind of be a beverage, too. I, I concocted something that reminded me of eggnog as a child, and I'm like, holy moly, how did I just do that? That's delicious. And it was sort of like a hot cocoa meets eggnog, but of course, gluten-free, sugar-free, vegan, um, made with raw superfoods. And so I posted that last night and it's kind of a versatile thing that you can either add more liquid or less to make it either a sauce or a pudding or a beverage. And, um, people are pretty excited about that this morning so far. Um, but that was really exciting just to recreate that. Something that's new to me is recreating flavors of something like, I, I, you know, I wasn't even that crazy about eggnog, but it was almost more the emotional reaction of, oh, I remember this from a, being a kid. Like, I can recreate this with all healthy things. That's beautiful. What are you going to call the creation? <laughs> I gave it a really funny name. It popped into my head when I first made it, and I called it the Coco Nog Love Child. <laughs> awesome. That's great. <laughs> Who is someone that you would love to meet, living or dead? living or dead you know it's it's that's such a good question I would really really love to meet Gandhi if I could that would just be so phenomenal and it's such a long list but that one has been I think that was one of my number one heroes back when I was like 10 or 11 I did a I did a book report in middle school on Gandhi like I I, I have a very um, powerful connection to him and his story. So I think Gandhi would be my first answer. <laughs> and who is someone in your life currently that really is a mentor for you? My mom, hands down. She's my greatest spiritual guide, my greatest teacher, my absolute best friend, and um, my biggest supporter as well. So hands down, my mom. We haven't yet talked about Ayurveda, but I'd love for you to tell the listeners first, what is Ayurveda and what does it mean to be an Ayurvedic therapist in your life? Okay, so Ayurveda is, the definition is the science of life, or some people call it the art of life. It's um, one of the most ancient medical systems in India, and it's still practiced today. It's not recognized as a medical system in the United States. We're very Western, but it's it's Eastern medicine, so it's healing and it's a practice of diet and lifestyle to manage your particular constitution. And in Ayurveda, your constitution is your dosha. And there's three. There's kapha, pitta, and vata. And people are generally a blend of one to two, sometimes three. Tridosha exists. 
And it's very, very unique. So you see a practitioner or you see um, an Ayurvedic counselor like, like me. There are levels. So I'm an Ayurvedic counselor, lifestyle therapist. And then there are actual practitioners who are recognized as doctors in Eastern medicine. And um, that takes more schooling. And you get your, your dosha defined. And that can change a little bit. But for the most part, it's something you're born into. And there are recommendations for diet, lifestyle, and then kind of mental, emotional. And it's um, very, very, very healing, very basic. And it's, um, it's really fun. It, I mean, it just makes sense when you learn about it or when you see somebody. Like when I, I have a client who knew nothing about it beforehand, and then once I explain it and give them a consultation, they're like, this just makes sense. Like I never had a name for this, that, or the other. So it just, it, it makes sense. That's all I can really say once you get to understand it. How do you start most days, most mornings? Most mornings I wake up and I don't do any technology until I have sat for meditation. And then I make warm lemon water, which is an Ayurvedic thing. It's Perfect thing for first thing in the morning. Gets your digestion going as well as alkalizes your body after being asleep all night, which can make the body really acidic. And um, hydrating as well because you lose a lot of um, oxygen in the night and water. And then I generally practice yoga. I'll have um, a little bit of green smoothie. (laughs) I usually put it into two jars. I'll have a little bit before my practice. Um do my yoga practice. And then depending on the day, I'll either go to work or go to school or write or see clients or teach. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the beginning of the day for me most days. What is ahead for you in 2014? Is graduation in the near distance? What are you excited about? I'm excited. I've been sensing a real shift in terms of um, moving away from having a day job and moving more into supporting myself fully with this career that I'm building. Um, school finishes this time next year. So I'm really looking at 12 months of big change and I'm really excited about it. I, I'm feeling like, I can't remember, it's Margaret somebody, but there's this wonderful quote Sometimes the only available mode of transportation is a leap of faith. And I've been thinking about that a lot because I feel like that's what I'm taking. It's just like, you know, this is my passion and it's so much fun to do all of this, to teach yoga and to write and to talk to wonderful people like you. And to to think that this could be what I spend every day doing and support myself on. I always thought of that as the end result after school and all of that. But that's what I have going in 2014 is to just make that my my whole living and to really dedicate myself to I'm writing a recipe ebook and um just getting on the staff for more regular writing and really manifesting all of these dreams of mine into a daily reality so that's the biggest thing for 14 I would say (laughs) as well as writing a recipe ebook do you ever have plans of writing a memoir or a book sharing some of your different blog posts and your spiritual writing Absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, 
makes me <laughs> giggle to think that anyone would ever want to read my memoir, but I do totally intend to write one. <laughs> and um, a, maybe even more a compilation of some of the more resonant articles from my, my blog probably as well. Can you give the listeners a preview of what's next for the blog? Are there any exciting articles that you're working on right now or any recipes that may be in the work? Any more love childs? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I actually have um, something up right now that's, I don't really know. This is how most of my blog posts go. I don't really know where they're going, how long they're going to be. And generally even what the title and like core center topic is going to be. I just get like a, it's almost like an angel whispers in my ear. Like this is what I'm feeling right now. And I just sit down and start tapping away. And I'm writing right now about a dream that I had last night. And I have this habit of waking up and I have a whiteboard in my room where I write my to-do list. And I will, in the dark, grab a pen and scribble, like, diagonally across this whiteboard anything I remember from the dream. Because otherwise it would be gone by morning. I'd have no recollection. And so I did that. And this morning I'm kind of, like, translating my chicken scratch. And so I'm writing about that because it really... I am really big into dream analysis and what dreams represent. And so that's what this latest blog post is about. And it'll definitely be up today because I'm, I'm really feeling on it. So <laughs> that's what's next. That's very exciting. Yeah. To close up our interview, I have a few either or questions. Okay, great. Apples or oranges? Apples. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Smoothies or juices? Smoothies, for sure. Mountains or oceans? Oh, that's the hardest. I'm going to have to say oceans, but my soul is so torn. I love them both. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing your story, your insight, your wisdom on the Running on Ohm podcast. It was an honor, Julia. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to episode 23 of the Running on Ohm podcast with Sarah Corder, holistic healer, writer, and yoga teacher. Check out runningonohm.com for links to Sarah's sites. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a beautiful day.